Welcome in to the Inside Carolina Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, as always. is Greg Barnes. Greg, I, I had the thumbnail up there of Cadeau taking a shot there. Um, we could talk about his performance, but but the title, I feel like we've used it before. Tar Heels find a way, but literally, it could not be more apt to describe the game we just watched down in Miami. It is, and let's just start with this, Tommy. Um, I think just reading the message boards prior to this game, I think people kind of already felt it. I think this game is more indication of it. Um, this team is not playing as well as it was maybe a month ago. And they they really kind of turned it on, I guess, after the Kentucky game, had a really strong stretch there where they looked like you know, one of the best teams in the country. And when I say one of the best, I'm talking about a true number one seed. Clearly, North Carolina's resume still puts them in that conversation but they are not playing uh, as well as they, they did several weeks ago. And uh, you know, I know some people may fret that, you know, did they peak too early? Well, that's yet to be determined. Just because there's a little bit of a lull doesn't mean that they've, they're down off their peak and they can't get back there. Um, but it is what it is. And I, I think the more troubling thing is that if you go back to the Clemson game earlier in the week, game was tied 70-70 with four and a half minutes to play. Uh, and Clemson went on a 10-3 run pretty much to close out the game, and then R.J. hit a three-pointer at the at the buzzer. You look at the game today, Carolina up by nine, three and a half minutes to play with the ball, and they you know need the ref's help there at the end to prevent Miami from having a chance to tie the game in the final seconds. Um, so just poor execution all the way around in the late-game situations the last two games. Uh, but give Carolina credit for for closing one out. And like I said, I mean, they escaped. Um, I thought they did enough starting the game to be able to weather any kind of push that Miami had. And it looked like the game was kind of getting away from Miami midway, really early in the second half. Uh, and the Hurricanes just kept fighting, and Carolina got a little sloppy there at the end. But uh, – it's, it's, a, it's a W. That's the most important thing, and Carolina escapes and can move on to, to Syracuse next week. Yeah, and I'm going to quote Sherelle McMillan. He tweeted at the very end, never apologize for a win. Sure. Carolina certainly, over the last several years, has lost that game. Um, but, but let's talk about the good, because I think it ultimately is a good win for this team. I agree. There, there's there's some repetitive repetitive things that are going on that we've seen um, in the last four games, but for the Duke game. Um, but one thing we saw today that we did not see against Clemson, and, and I don't think we saw it against Georgia Tech, can't remember that far back, Elliot Cadeau made some shots. And Justin Jackson talked about it. Joel Berry's talked about it on all these Inside Carolina shows that we do. And, and shout out to them for pointing it out. He's got to make shots for this team. For himself personally to play basketball for a long time, you have to be able to shoot. But for this team this year to win, he's going to have to hit shots. Two for six from three 
seven for 14. He still has the ability to get to the lane. Greg, just speak to, to his growth. I asked Hubert, was he having any issues with confidence or whatever in his shot? And, of course, Hubert said no. No way he's not lacking confidence, but it sure looked like it sometimes. And, I don't uh, think there's any doubt that there was confidence with his outside shooting. Uh, I think that's evident to anybody watching the games. It's exactly. So, But today he makes them. And he makes plays, and he stays out of foul trouble. He has eight assists. He did turn it over five times. Um, but just sort of speak to his growth and his importance for this team. We can talk about the others, and we can talk about whatever we want to. But Elliot Cadeau, the, the splits when he's on the floor versus when he's off the floor are stark. His growth and his maturation and his ability to do what he did tonight for this North Carolina team, Greg. Yeah, and the – the actual three-point percentage make for, for Elliott has not really been a concern of mine. I know a lot of people have kind of brought that up. But with your confidence comment there, Tommy, my concern is that he's been hesitant to take the shots. Yep. Because there's a process involved here. And, I mean, you can go back to Marcus Page and Kendall Marshall and Joel Berry and own back. But as a freshman guard playing in the ACC – it's difficult to make a high percentage of outside shots when you're tasked with running up an offense. Um, so that, that part of it never really concerned me. You know, as he gets older, uh, that'll be a focus and he'll, he'll get better. But the hesitancy in taking those shots has been problematic. Uh, and there really wasn't the hesitancy today, which I, th I thought was a growth. And the fact that he made a couple, well, guess what? That's how this works. You start feeling confident enough to take the shots. Then when you start making some shots, well, now we have momentum. Now we start seeing the snowball. Uh, Kendall Marshall did that famously back in 2012, and he ended up going pro earlier than anybody thought because he showed that, hey, I have this whole expansive game. Now I can make some outside shots. And that's all Elliot re really needs to do. Um, but beyond that, what I really liked that, that Elliot and RJ both did is they are starting to attack. Um, neither of those guys are very big. And I know that's a concern for a lot of people, and it's, it's a legitimate concern. But they're going hard at the rim, and I really like that. Uh, because of their size, they're going to get blocked some. Sometimes they're going to have to force up some shots. But when you have somebody like Armando Baycott, who's such a, very, you know, such a dominant offensive rebounder, it's not a bad scheme if your guards can get up and throw up a shot. Um, and I really like that component. I think that's why North Carolina won this game is, is Elliott and RJ. RJ, once again, is phenomenal. Uh, but those two guys are the reason Carolina won this game. Yeah, if, if you'd have told me that RJ Davis and Elliott Cadeau would combine for 44, I'd have said, well, Carolina won this one easy down in Miami. Um, but it comes down to the very end there. And, and you mentioned the officials earlier. Shout out to the refs for getting it right. Um because I thought Harrison Ingram was going to make one of the all-time, what are we doing? Here comes Dennis Scott for some of the old people. He's going to hit a three and tie this game up. Hey, moments there after a bad turnover or, or a bad ball out of bounds. Um, but let's look at RJ as a whole. I see some people in the chat saying he went a little hero ball or whatever, six for 19, eight for eight from the line. We've talked about how he's missed a few free throws lately. Um, granted, he's only missed 10 all year, which is ridiculous. But um, 
25 points, seven rebounds, five assists, three turnovers. Greg, he's the guy. You know, I want to talk about Baycott because I do believe Baycott, when he's given the opportunity with the ball on the block where he needs it, he, he can be dominant again. Uh, but RJ is really the guy that stepped up. I mean, I was watching the game with my son, and he was like, it just looks like a shooting practice for him when he's in rhythm. Just sort of speak to his his necessity, the necessity for RJ to play like he did today for this team. Yeah, and let's talk about the hero ball stuff. Um, to your point there, Tommy, who else is going to do it? Somebody has to force the action. And Caleb Love got a lot of heat for a long time for, for doing that. Who else is going to do it? I yep. mean, you know, he drags North Carolina the championship game with some of his heroics because it worked. Um, and so it's really a matter of if you've got guys who aren't producing, somebody has to step up. Somebody has to be willing to step up. And RJ's doing that. And I I can't say enough about what RJ Davis has done this season. Um, I know Zach Eadie's the shoe in for player of the year. I think RJ's right there with him. Um, I think he's been phenomenal. And he, his willingness to to take some tough shots, to make tough shots. If he gets an open look, I mean – He's the kind of guy, the way he's playing right now, you think it's going in. He doesn't make all of them. I mean, I know he missed one today, but he makes a lot of them. And this is such a guard-oriented game these days. It really has been I mean, for a long time, I know, but uh, it just feels like more so than ever last decade or so. Uh, and he's just really taken up. I mean, if, if Carolina is going to have any chance in the NCAA tournament, you can talk about Cormac Ryan being the X factor, and you know, needing Armando to get back to being a double-double machine. If RJ is not doing what he's doing right now, Carolina has no shot because he is, for me, he's uh, he's by far and away the best player in the ACC. Sure, sure thing, first-team All-American. Um, and without his play today, Carolina you know does not leave Miami with a victory. Yeah, I mean, and somebody mentioned that he's five eleven, doing all this stuff. And your point earlier about. The, the attacking of Cadeau and RJ, I don't have a problem with them attacking and getting shots blocked in, in the lane. Uh, you go straight at the defense or the defenders. What I don't like is you go in there and you dipsy do it, um, and then you get it blocked or you get end up on your back and they're going the other way. But these guys are attacking straight into the chest of the defenders. RJ's got an ability. Cadeau needs to get that ability to get it up without getting it blocked. But, yeah, RJ is – is this team is RJ, and this team is also Armando Baycott. And I asked Hubert Davis on Friday about the finality of it all for Baycott, that he's played a little differently the last two games. Now, granted, he went to work a little bit tonight after Amir got out of, was out of the game, but what is it, what is it going to take to see that Baycott from here on out? Can North Carolina see that Baycott from here on out where he catches it on the post? Granted, he can't throw it to himself, which is frustrating, and I know it's frustrating for him. But for him to one dribble drop step and go up when it's there, how badly is North Carolina need it? And can we – is it something that we can expect to see, you think? Yeah, it's a great question, Tommy. And I'm going to take this at a little different angle. Um you, you see that Armando has three shot attempts in the first half. Coming into this game, I mean, the game that Miami played, let me say this first. The game that Miami played is Miami basketball this year. They have one top 50 win all year. They're going to the NIT. 
They're not even sniffing the NCAA bubble right now. And the reason why is, is their offense generates a lot of open looks. They got a lot of open looks today and missed a ton of them. And they have no depth behind Omer. He's it. So coming into the game, I'm thinking, okay, you've got a big guy like Baycott. Why don't you scheme to get him the ball on the block all the time in the first half? Because what the stats tell us is that when uh, Omir gets in foul trouble, Miami loses big. Go look at the Kentucky game. Yep. Uh, there's been a couple of those games where he's gotten in foul trouble, and it's over because they have nobody behind him. And yet, when you go back and you look at Baycott's first three shots, the only three shots he had in the first half, what were they? One was off an offensive rebound, and the other two were off of pick and rolls where he crashed towards the rim. Those were his three shot attempts. Yep. Um, and you, if you watch how the plays are set up, there's a lot of times he's not even trying to post up because he's getting ready to come up and set a screen. And so my question is, like, in the first half, yeah, Armando didn't really do anything. I don't think that was his fault. Um, I feel I think, you. I agree with you 100%. I mean, put now, the man on second, the block. Yeah, the, your, your point in the second half, all of a sudden he comes alive and he's demanding the ball inside and they're actually making a point to get into him. And what happens? Amir gets in foul trouble. He gets the technical. The game changes quickly from being a competitive game to Carolina up 10 or 12, all because Carolina forced the ball inside and Baycott took advantage. And that's that, kind of where we were. Yeah. So you see that and you're like, okay, why, why didn't you do that in the first half? Um, so, yes, you're exactly right that they, they need to do a better job of running the offense at times through Baycott. It doesn't have to be every single time, although I would have liked to see more of it today with the depth issues that Miami has inside, but mix it up. Like I like a lot of what Hubert does in terms of his you know, setting screens and, and all those things to get you know, clean looks and to get you know, the ball going downhill towards the rim. I like all that. But mix it up some and really keep defenses on their heels because the, the story of the game today is North Carolina shot, what, 40.7% from the field. After their hot start, they shot 34.8% the rest of the game. Miami's defense is not any good because they don't have any size in the post. Yeah. Their, their strength has been offense all season long. So, I mean, I thought Carolina played – played fine enough defensively. Offensively, they just weren't good enough. Uh, and so that gets into the question of, like, what what exactly are you trying to do against this opponent uh, to get some easy wins? And I, I feel like in the first half, after those first couple of minutes, Carolina just kind of got away from that and didn't take advantage of some of the matchups. Yeah, I mean, you got Baycott with three shots in the first half. Uh, the only two people that had less shots that played were Zayden High and Paxson Wojcik in the first half. I agree. Hubert said that they've been scheming to get him shots and get him the ball where he wants to be. Now, granted, Carolina struggled with post-entry passes um, for for a couple of years. You you think Elliot Cadeau is that guy that can make that pass, um, but they don't get it to him enough. He's got to be down there, you know. Somebody asked me on Twitter, why don't they ever scheme to go at 
an opponent. And I remember they went at Hunter Dickinson. And every time they played Michigan, they'd attack Hunter Dickinson. And if they see Kansas, they'll attack Hunter Dickinson again with Baycott. But to your point, Greg, Norchad O'Meara was going to kill them if they didn't get him out of the game yep. on the other end of the floor. And, and luckily for North Carolina, it was O'Meara's mouth that got him out of the game. Because without that tech, he doesn't have to come out. Um, let, let me take a second, first of all, to shout out 560-plus people are in here. And then also to talk about Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, and congruity, congruityhr.com, front slash Tar Heels, to get your free assessment for your small to mid-sized business. Greg, let's talk a little bit about maybe the warts of this ball game a little bit. Bench points. And I know Seth Trimble's out. And Seth has played well before he got injured. One point from the bench, and that was a free throw from Zayden High. Wojcik, Washington, Withers, Zayden High combined 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, 12, 20 minutes, one point. Seth Trimble's good, and he'll make a difference there, but those four guys have got to step up for North Carolina. Yeah, and you know, one of the things we talked about this offseason, Tommy, was about making sure you use the bench more. And I give Hubert credit. Early in the year, he was playing guys quite a bit, trying to see who could help him, which is something we didn't see his first two years. So that's growth on Hubert's part. I think that's the way to go. But as we've gotten further into the season, uh, the bench minutes has, has slowly decreased. So Carolina right now ranks 320th nationally in, in bench minutes percentage. So that's three years in a row Carolina has been north of 300. Uh, that's the first time Carolina has ranked above 300 any year in the Ken Palm era, which dates back to, to 99. Um, so just a different different situation. Um, and Hubert completely mixed up the roster this offseason, which I think he needed to do to kind of get what he wants in place. But even still, you know, there's some some glaring deficiencies uh, in the in the bench play. And I think Seth is a, a very good player. And we've talked about this, Tommy. Seth clearly is your number six guy. And then after that, you're saying, okay, is it Withers or is it Washington who's going to give you quality minutes? And, I mean, at this point, um, you know, that's, that's a big question mark. Um, so definitely you need Seth back quickly. Seth would have helped uh, defensively today, as we all know. But I thought they did okay defensively otherwise. Uh, especially against those guards. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the guys have had opportunities, and they have to they have to take advantage of it. Um, you know, Washington made a mistake. Uh, Amir kind of embarrassed him on a post move early. And what did Hubert do? He sat him, and he brought in high, which I think is how you handle that situation. You bring a guy out say, hey, this is where the mistake was made. Take a second. You put in high. Let him get some playing time. That's how you develop. That's how you give guys opportunities. Uh, but at this point in the season, you're kind of scratching your head saying, all right, what are they really going to have you come postseason to be able to rely on once you get past Seth Trimble? Yeah, somebody in the chat said it's the portal the problem. The portal is going to be the answer in the offseason in the post. It's going to have to be. And, and look, and, and Miss Tina in the chat said um, seven rebounds. Yes, they did have seven rebounds. Aiden High, I, I mean, granted, he got – Amir went at him as well, but he is uh, he'll play with some energy. And I'll give props to Paxson Wojcik for a box out. I don't know who it was for them. It was one of their bigs. 
Um, it wasn't Amir. He boxed, he boxed out and got a big rebound. So um, they got some timely rebounds, but they've got to put the ball in the basket, especially if Cormac Ryan's going to continue to struggle that way. Dave, uh, Greg, you mentioned the defense, and I do want to point this out. How many points did Nigel Pack have in the second half, Greg? Do you know off the top of your head? No, but I know he got hurt there for a little while. I'd say he probably has six points after halftime. Nigel Pack, two points, one for eight shooting in the second half after 18 points on seven for nine shooting and two, four for six threes. What did you see differently defensively for North Carolina in that regard? Um, I, I think the defense is not consistent enough, and especially in lapses. I mean, Jay Williams will always say they play with their food or whatever they want to say. But to go from Nigel Pack and Amir going to beat us to uh, Nigel Pack ain't going to do it, Amir might, what did you see change for Hubert and the Tar Heels in that second half? Just effort and intensity. Matt, I don't know that that pack, um, I don't know that his shots changed much. And that's really a testament to the first half because I, I thought I thought the guys did a pretty good job on him. I mean, uh, when he got when he gets hot, more than most players in the country, when he gets hot, he gets hot. Uh, and he has more heat checks. I mean, the, the kid pulled up from 28 feet and had a hand in his face and drilled it. Um you know, you kind of just tip your cap to him and move on. So he had some decent looks early in the second half. But I think for the most part, the guys did a really good job. There's a, yeah, early on, especially in the second half, I thought they played with more intensity uh, and kind of got after it more. And Miami, you know, how many turnovers did they end up with? Miami finished with, hold on, let me get the whole game up here because I'm splitting it by half. Miami yeah. turnovers, 13 turnovers on the game. Carolina scored seven off their turnovers. Miami scored 22 points off 16 Carolina turnovers. Yeah, so that's that's the surprising one is that Carolina had that many turnovers. Um, but, yeah, I, now, like I said, you know, yes, Miami got some some good looks and they missed some of it. That's some of the, the shot luck that you take advantage of that Carolina benefited from earlier in the season. Um, but Laranega does a good job kind of scheming the offense, and those guys are great athletes. They just didn't knock down uh, enough shots today to to be able to win the game, and uh, I thought the defensive effort was there. I thought that their guards would be able to attack more and take advantage of Cadeau and, and RJ, uh, and they really didn't have the success I expected. So I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, look, winning on the ACC, in the ACC is difficult. Winning in the road. Yeah, what did Armando Baycott say after the game the other night? We never win in Miami. Yeah. Well, Carolina just won in Miami, 75-72. Greg, any final thoughts? I think we're probably getting together after Syracuse on Tuesday. And then if my math is correct, Carolina will play Miami again before the month of February is out in Chapel Hill on a Monday. Uh, the ACC race is now a race, the way Carolina sort of backed up to the field. But, Greg, it's hard to believe that this season is winding to a close with only seven games left. Yeah, it's wild. And you know, I started I started this post game, Tommy, by criticizing UNC for for playing sloppy late, uh, deservedly so. But also think it's important to note that you know, Miami's last game out, they were embarrassed by Virginia, scored thirty eight points in that ball game. And there was a clip where the team's huddling up, 
and Jim Laranagas on the bench, not even paying attention to him. He was done with them. So you knew coming into this game, Miami was going to you know, their their tails have been tucked between their legs, and they were going to come out with some bite. And we also know what happened in Chapel Hill earlier this week, where Carolina kind of slept walk through the first five minutes of that game against Clemson, and Clemson was able to build a, a big lead that ultimately helped them win that game. Well, Carolina came out and they were ready for the challenge. And because North Carolina was able to get that early lead, uh, I mean, that's a psychological thing. If, if you're having to, to fight against a deficit over and over and over again, it wears you out. And ultimately that played a role in North Carolina being able to win that game. So give Carolina credit for bouncing back from the Clemson loss, understanding what was going to take place with Miami and really being ready to play out of the gate because I think, as I said, I think that was really a determining factor in this game. Indeed, Carolina wins. And since you mentioned it, pretty much the exact same way Clemson beat Carolina in Chapel Hill four days ago. Jump, big lead, hold on, figure it out at the end. Clemson did it to Carolina. Carolina flips the script on Miami. Uh, The Tar Heels still still in first in the ACC. And, yes, we had the Gonzaga-Kentucky game on a secondary TV that was a hell of a basketball game. I think Gonzaga, in fact, beat Kentucky in Rupp. Um, crazy non-conference game this time of year. But anyway, that's Greg Barnes. I'm Tommy Ashley. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina Post game. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity. Shout out to the 600 people plus in the chat that joined us. You guys are the best. We'll be back. Stay tuned for all the rest of the content coming on the Inside Carolina as well. Thanks, everybody. Be safe. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.